Born on a planet which has long since died, he has been raised by adoptive parents on the Kent farm in Kansas. The young boy, Cal L, is renamed Clark Kent. And though he has grown up among humans, he is not one of them. Under Earth's yellow sun, he can do things humans can only dream of. But to coexist with them, he must live a dual life as mild, unassuming Clark Kent. Secretly transforming into the man of steel when the world cries out for him. But now the world's crisis has gone unheeded for five long years since Superman's mysterious disappearance. Without him, crime has risen in the city of Metropolis. And beyond that, that's not even counting the future destructive acts of Lex Luthor, who has been sprung from prison with the specific intent of using Superman's technological secrets for his own personal gain and glory. But Superman, the long search for his place in the universe, ends back at the Kent farm, among the only family he has ever known. His destiny lies in Metropolis, where one look in Lois's eyes tells him that this place, among the flawed but ultimately good people of Earth, is his true home. And with Lex's plan coming to fruition mere hours after his return, the world will never need Superman more than it does now. You ever feel like Superman? Or, or maybe, maybe you're just like the only person in your house who can fix your computer? Well, our culture is filled with messages that tell us that we are individuals. We are unique in every way. We have talents that no one else has and that no one else can make our future but us. Every one of us is our own Superman. And from our culture, we can get the sense that we are indestructible. We make our own way and we have our own rights and those rights must be fought for. There's uh, an 80s song back, back way back, I may be dating myself here. <clears throat> But it says, we got to fight for your right to party. Have you heard that one before? There's a lot of people over here shaking their heads no. <laughs> Some people in the back know what I'm talking about. We have organizations in place to fight for people's rights. And these organizations spend billions of dollars every year in court to do so. This morning, we're going to look at cultures called individualism. Then we're also going to look at how we see that happening even in our church, how our church kind of mimics and parrots that same call to individualism. And then we'll look at Christ's call to community. First of all, let's look at culture's call to individualism. Webster's Dictionary gives us this definition. Individualism, a doctrine, I know some of you all can't see, I'm sorry, I'm in your way, so I'll, I'll try to get this for you. A doctrine that the interests of the individual are or ought to be ethically paramount. Or how about this definition? Individualism holds that the individual is the primary unit of reality and the ultimate standard of value. Now, there's some big words in there. Somebody want to tell me what those definitions are basically saying? Somebody? Help me out. Well, it's right. There it is. It revolves around you. That's what individualism is. We looked at a few vanity plates last week. Remember that? We looked at maybe are you envious? All these different plates that are made to go on cars to set them apart. Maybe you see them on Volkswagen Bugs or, or maybe a Lamborghini or something. Just something to set you apart 
from everybody else. You ever seen those, those gone into a business or into a, an office of some type, and on the wall you see these posters or these pictures that will say, courage. And you'll see this guy, you know, repelling from a rock or something. Or you'll see excellence or honor. And it gives you some kind of definition of what that means, right? I found this one interesting. Individualism. Only losers waste time listening to the input of others. Well, that's kind of what our culture thinks, huh? Found a few t-shirts. You can find all of these on eBay. Don't worry. If you'd like to look, you can find them this afternoon. Why be normal when you can be yourself, right? How about this one? This is my life. I thought of Ryan when I saw this one. I'm a natural beauty. Free to be, right? Have you seen that one? I've seen that one a couple times. What you see is what you get. That's it. That's me. That's who I am. Smile. I'm a dentist. (laughs) Trust me, I'm a lawyer. I like this one. Kiss me. I'm a Republican. (laughs) My wife kisses me a lot, but it's not because I'm, I'm a Republican. I like this one. I love you when you're more like me, right? Or how about this one, one of my favorites, I do all my own stunts. I've seen some of you guys wearing that one. And then if you can't find another one, my t-shirt can beat up your t-shirt. We push for individualism and we see it all over TV, don't we? You've seen some of these before. The Apprentice. It's all about, it's all about one person making it to the top and not hearing those two words. What are they, Brock? That's right, that's right. Now, I'm sorry, Brock, this is an old one. This is from last year. Who won this year? Okay, okay, I thought, I thought he'd probably know who that was. How about this one? This is a new one. What's the premise here? It's to show that you're unique, that you can dance, right? And you gotta make it all the way to the top. Another one, obviously, follows after that. American Idol. And it's pushing your uniqueness, like Taylor Hicks, right? An online response to the question, are you unique, gave us this answer. Yes, I'm unique, probably more unique than any of you. How about the military? The military can't get away from this either. And I may be reading a little bit into this, but an army of one. is. Is that a bit of an oxymoron? Yeah. Uh, an army of, of one. But the church doesn't seem to notice much of a problem either. Because we see much of this sometimes pervading into our church. I also found this t-shirt. It's kind of cute. Now, now, if you've got this one, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're bad or that you need to get rid of this chur- shirt, give it to goodwill, but it says, yes, I'm a princess, my father is the king of kings. It's, it's true. Our father is the king of kings. Yes. I looked around at some websites and I found this saying. We are so blessed that you stopped by our site. Your presence is a present to the world. You're unique and one of a kind. Your life can be whatever 
you want it to be. We hear some things like, you're so unique and so valuable to God that he died for you. Didn't we study it last summer? That, that is so wrong. God did not die for us because we are unique, but because he is supreme. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done, right? If I don't do God's work, nobody will do it. I've got to go to this place. I've got to do this. Well, the problem is that if you don't do it, God will find somebody to do his work. Or how about this one? You have to chase your dreams. Peter mentioned this morning how we talk about uh, some, some Christians will say things like, well, my, I think spirituality, it, it's a personal thing, right? It's, it's me, my Bible, and Jesus. And, you know, your, your spirituality, your Christianity is fine, but I'm, I'm just going to do my own thing. It's okay. I, I, I have a Bible, and it's, it's me and my Bible and Jesus, and we're going to keep it at that. Happy little threesome. That's not what God's called us to. We have to be gracious when we're talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I, I hope you get the point that I'm trying to make. Because Christ, what Christ calls us to is not individualism. It's not be all that you can be. But he calls us to community. The reason that we use community in our name is not by accident. It's not because somebody else used that name. North Hills Community Church is there. That word is there on purpose. And we use that word purposefully. Cammie, would you come up and help me with something real quick? Cammie Michaud, would you come up and help me real quick? Got to know Cammie a little bit better. Thursday at Power Source, we played a little fr ultimate or, uh, frisbee golf. She did real well. Now, I want you, Cammie, I want you to come over here. I want you to stand right here, okay? I uh, don't want you to move, okay? Don't move. Can I borrow your arm, though? Okay. I'm at, when, you're not supposed to move right there, okay? Stay right there. Can I have your arm, though? Okay, all right. I'm going to use this, right? You keep on moving. Uh, can, I, can I borrow your arm, or are you going to keep moving with it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead and sit down. Thanks, Cammie. Laura, would you please look up for me 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. <coughs> 12, 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. And when you found it, go ahead and read that for me.
you get the point? This is Cammie stood here, and I asked her if you, I could use her arm. I could not actually use her arm without Cammie coming with her arm, right? And that was a silly illustration, but, but, but Paul uses that illustration to tell us that we cannot separate ourselves from the body of Christ if we were called into his fellowship. We are called to be his bride, his body. Charles Hodge said this of this passage. He said, instead of the body being all one member, God has arranged and disposed the parts each in its place so as to constitute one living organic whole. The eye did not give itself the power of vision, nor the ear its ability to discriminate sounds. Each member occupies in the body the position which God has seen fit to assign it and which is most conducive to the good of the whole. We are one body. Anybody recognize this guy? Anybody? Who is it? Rich Mullins. After recording nine albums, being nominated for 12 Dove Awards, selling millions of CDs, and having many number one hits, Rich Mullins passed away in September of 1997 in an automobile accident. Unlike some artists, it wasn't music that consumed him. It was God. He was concerned, though, about how much people put stock in his music. And this is what he said. Sometimes it concerns me that the, the number of people who can quote my songs, or they can quote the songs of several different people, but they can't quote scriptures, as if anything a musician might have to say would be worth listening to. But Rich just didn't care about music and performing. He loved the church, and he loved being around God's people. He once said, when I go to church, I involve myself in something that identifies me with Augustine, that identifies me with Christ, which identifies me with nearly 2,000 years of people who have come together once a week and said, let's go to the Lord's table and enjoy the feast that he has prepared for us his people. When I come into the church, I am no longer Rich Mullins, a music education student. I am no longer Rich Mullins, a guy who grew up in Indiana. I'm no longer Rich Mullins, a guy who had a record contract. All of a sudden, I am a member of the kingdom of God. Rich knew that God thought community was important. And God thought community was so important that in Genesis 2.18, he said, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. It is not good. Being alone is not a good thing, God says. And so he gave us spouses. And he gave us parents. And he gave you siblings. And he gave us churches. And he gave us small groups so that we would not be alone. And he called us into one body. But this, this idea, this idea of community didn't, didn't flow from his idea of anthropology. Somebody tell, tell me what anthropology is. I see a couple over here going, I know what it is, but I don't wanna say it. Somebody say it. Insects, no. 
Ants, I, I see where you get that. I see where you get that. <laughs> Anthro is, right here, Brandon. No. There you go, there you go. We got closer, we moved from ants to the body to man. Yes, it's the study of man. So this view of community in God's eyes did not flow from his understanding of man or how he made us. This idea of community flowed from the understanding of community that he experienced within himself from eternity past. When I was in college, I traveled for my school and we went around and we would sing and we would do some skits and little dramas and whatnot. Well, one of the dramas that we did was uh, from a, a black folk drama called Green Pratt Pastures. Anybody familiar with that? It's really cool when you hear this guy with this really deep, booming voice do the voice of God. And it starts out with God walking through the garden. And he's got this really cool voice. And he's walking through the garden after he's made the earth and, and the stars and all this. And he's, he walks through the garden and he says, I'm lonely. I think I'll make me a man. And you know what? It's really cool. And he talks about, then he goes on to talk about how he made man and all this. It was a really cool poem, but it's so not good theology. Why? Because God was not lonely. He didn't have to create man because he was lonely. He created man because he had a plan to do so for his own glory. <laughs> Why? Because he existed in community, in love with himself, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in holy community. So this idea of community and this idea of all of us being part of one body flows from the idea of God himself existing in the Trinity. This is why God Christ calls us to community. We're called all over the New Testament. We see things like love one another, pray for one another, confess our faults to one another, rebuke one another, reprove one another, exhort one another, edify one another, instruct one another. These commands are all over the New Testament. Why? Because we are called to community. We're called to love one another. We're called to exist in community and unity with one another. So, now, I hear what you're saying. Your question now is, where do I start? I understand we need to live in community. I get it. I make the connection. Now, where do I go from here? Well, first of all, we need to confess our idol of individualism. Confess our idol of individualism. It's this mindset that we think that we're a, we're a team of one, and it's, it's all about us. So we have to confess it to God. Secondly, commit to change. This commit to change may mean going back to your, your family, maybe to a sibling, to your parents maybe, and saying, you know what? I have not been a team player. I have not been investing myself in this family. It's been all about me, and I need to change that. So confess your idol of individualism, commit to change, and then, met, then commit to intentional relationships. And if you don't 
<laughs> You've heard this before. If you don't get anything else I say today, get this one thing, okay? Commit to intentional relationships. What does that look like, okay? Titus, what does that look like? Let me tell you. There's three things, okay? Three things that you can do. You could even start today. Is you need to find a Paul. You need to find a Barnabas. And you need to find a Timothy. Now, what does that mean? We need to find a Paul. You need to find a mentor, an older, more spiritually mature person who is willing to build into your life. Sixth graders, there are some really good Pauls over here that you guys could find as mentors in your life. Ask them questions. You can talk to them. You can confide in them. Secondly, that wasn't secondly. Find a Barnabas. That's a soul brother or sister. Somebody who loves you but is not impressed by you, not intimidated by you, and not fooled by you. There are plenty of soul brothers and soul sisters in this room that you can find who will walk with you, who will keep you accountable, who will pray with you, who you can go to and say, hey, you know what, I've got a question about this, or you know what, and I I know your parents won't mind, I've kind of been wondering about this, and I'm not sure if I can go to my parents but I, I, know that, I know that you're seeking God and I know that you love God, so I'm going to ask you, and your parents will love that. Now, hopefully you can go to your parents and they more, maybe your parents are more of the Paul for you, but you need a Barnabas, somebody that you can talk to about spiritual things, somebody that, that will keep you accountable in things and pray for you. And thirdly, you need a Timothy. This is a mentoree. Now, when I pulled this up in Word, it gave me the little red dots under there because I couldn't find another word. I thought mentoree was a better word. It's not really a word, so we're going to use it anyway. But you need a mentoree, okay? 11th graders, 12th graders over here, there are a lot of Timothys over on this side of the room that you can come alongside of. A younger person whom you can mentor and influence. There's a bunch of them over here. You guys over on this side, how many of you are the oldest in your family? There's several of you. You've got younger brothers and sisters whom you can mentor and you can influence if you see yourself as a Paul. You need a Paul. You need a Barnabas. And you need a Timothy. I've got these in my life. I've got Pauls. I've got actually several Pauls, thankfully, being involved here at the church. Some of the pastors here are my Pauls. I've got a Barnabas, a close friend of mine in a ministry in North Carolina as just one of them, one of my Barnabases that I go to who keep me accountable, who pray for me, and who, who lift me up in prayer. And I've got Timothys, people who I mentor. So find a Paul, find a Barnabas, and find a Timothy. Because we are not called to individualism. It's not all about us. We're not just this, this entity in and of ourselves. We're not an island. We're called to community. And you guys are in a great place to put this into practice.